You are listening to the Galena Missions Podcast, the preaching ministry of Galena Bible Church. Follow along as we study God's Word together. So I have two cups here. And then I have, thanks to Luke, this delicious apple, okay? And just open up this cup, put this apple right there, and then... What I can do is I just slowly take this piece of paper over here. Did you notice that already? The apple has switched over right here. You believe it? You don't believe it, Ruth? It is really true. Right here. The the other one? The other cup? There's nothing in there. <laughs> and actually, I can do more stuff, okay? Because I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm reading my Bible, and I see he was able to multiply food, right? So let's do this again. Oh, did you notice that? No, no, it also works this way, you know? So, guess what? I mean, how amazing is that? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Thank you. Of course, that is a myth, right? I can't move that apple over there. I can't multiply it. if, if, you're, if you're a good magician, uh, I mean, you wouldn't do it the second time because then you, you know that people are looking really careful and, and what's going on, but we, we already know, okay, Martin does not have superpowers. I know him for the last few years, no way, okay? And it doesn't matter how often I practice, it's not working. We like to, we, we will see some myth today in, in the scripture reading, and I wanted to ask you for your help. Um, but also, honestly, checking if you're paying attention when Chris is was speaking, but also the fact not everyone is here every week, okay? Like Jared just came back from California, which is really nice. So let's help out Jared a little bit. What is the main topic we're, we're listening to the last few weeks? Anyone? Oh. Second Peter, okay, very good. We are in Second Peter. Is there anything that is stuck in your mind we have learned for the last few weeks from Second Peter? Any main points? Um, anything that got stuck in your mind? Anything you say, oh yeah, I had no clue, but Chris pointed this out and... Yeah, so confirming the calling we got. We got called from God, but we have to work it out. Thank you, Luke. Yeah. Um, feel free to cheat. Okay. Take, take your Bible. If you don't have it, just uh, under the stairs in front of you. You can cheat. Okay. Open it up a little bit. Might need to get a little reminder. What, what else do you remember from Second Peter? Believe and repentance. Believe and repentance. Yeah. 
What were the, the circumstances Second Peter was written? There was one... Peter was about to die. Peter was about to die, right, exactly. I mean, if, if you know that someone... Um, I'm not sure if you have uh, experienced that, but if you know that one, one of your friends or a loved one is, is to die, you, you, you pay special attention what they have to say at the very last end, right? So we, we really like to pay special attention what, what Peter has to say in, in, in this letter and today. So thanks everyone pitching in. Um, we like to read Second Peter verse 1, 16 to 21. Actually, my voice is a little short. It's, it's fine right now, but I don't know how my voice is doing in 20 minutes. So if someone could please read for us those few verses. Second Peter chapter 1, the verses 16 to 21. That would be great. Thank you, Jim. For we did not follow clearly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jim. Sometimes we're reading Scripture or another book, and a second later, we don't really know what we just read. Did this ever happen to you? Yeah? Okay. Could I ask a second volunteer to just read it again? Second Peter, chapter 1, 16 to 21. Anyone? For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we receive honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Till 21. Yeah. 21, okay. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Jim. Two Jims. Nice. <laughs> it starts, so, for we have not followed cleverly devised myth, right? Why, why would he say that? He hasn't really talked about any, any myth yet. This is the first time this, this shows up here. And, well, 
It's just like sometimes, even in our society, we, have, we just have some weird rules. For example, and Jared, since he just came from California, maybe can confirm that. There's a rule in California that says you can't whistle for a lost canary before 7 a.m. You know, this, this colorful bird. Why do you think that is? Well, the same reason there are rules in places that you can't do construction before 7 a.m. Exactly. <laughs> they have this strange rule because someone actually whistled to his lost canary bird at 7 o'clock in the morning and it might, might have been really annoying to other people. There are more um, interesting rules and laws in Connecticut. You can't sell a pickle that's not bouncing. Why is that? <laughs> well, guess what? Someone was selling pickles that wouldn't bounce. Why is that so important? Well, apparently there were two brothers in 1945 and they sold some pickles, but they said they were unfit for human consumption. And they figured out, oh, those are not bouncing, so that's why they came up with this rule. Okay, there's another one. In New Mexico, you can't vote if you're an idiot. Uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Guess why? Well, because apparently there were some idiots who voted, right? Well, yeah, so some, some people might argue uh, could we implement this rule to all the 50 states? But anyhow, in Ohio, you can't dye chicken. You can't sell dyed chicken. G guess why? Yeah, you can't put them in, in, in paint, you know, because someone did. Okay, in Oregon, you can't go hunting uh, on a cemetery. Why is that? <laughs> Well, apparently someone did, right? Um, and here, that's my suspicion. Here's the real reason why Jim Lester moved to Alaska. You're from Virginia, right? Yes. Yeah, so in Virginia, you can't go trick-or-treating if you're over 14 years old. <laughs> why? Well, apparently some people did. Uh, a lot of teenagers actually did, and they just took it overboard, and it was just really intense, so they came up with this rule. So whenever we have those strange rules, we know, okay, some stupid individual did it, and then they had to put this uh, rule into place. And it's the same here. Why is Peter saying this? For we have not followed cleverly devised myth when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because apparently... There were some myth going on. The people were following. That's all I say to this verse, because it's not telling us all the myth and all the stuff that is floating around, but I'm pretty sure that it will be covered the next few weeks, but not today. So we see that that, let's see how, how it could continues. So he was not following cleverly devised myth when, when he was talking about God's power and his coming. Again, second advent. This is what he's talking about, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because he has seen in the first time, right, he got picked by Jesus. 
and he was able to walk around with him for three years and he saw all the teaching and preaching he did and the miracles and then he's referring to this glorious moment we know that Peter was one of the inner circle right with with James and John and Peter and one day God, Jesus is taking them on a, on a mountain and on that mountain this transfiguration takes place it's not like just oh Jesus turns white now he Dude, he actually was glowing, they were saying, okay? And then those other two prophets show up, and the three disciples, they're just completely blown away, and it takes a while till they finally can say something. Hey, can we build some stuff here so we can just stay here? This is just so awesome, okay? And at this point, Peter's probably in his 60s. And what he's referring to is probably like decades ago, like three decades. But it was so amazing that it seems like he still remembers it like it was yesterday. Uh, he's saying, hey, we were there on this mountain. We, we actually heard the voice. Okay? We were really there. That's the reason why Peter is saying that... Uh, I, I believe this, we're, we're teaching this, we're preaching this, because I have, I witnessed it. It's not a, a story I heard from someone. No, I, I was right there. And I like to see that light again, because that's what Jesus promised. He will come again. He is excited. Even after 30 years, he still knows that is the truth. That's what I have experienced. And we ourselves heard the voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. But then it continues. And we have a more reliable word of the prophecy. Now that's interesting. I mean, this is an amazing story that he can share it. And it really boosts his faith. But he says, there's something more important than just my eyewitness. And I see it in my life. I mean, it's, it's super... I mean, there's, there's a strong point. If you share with someone else what God has done in your life, you know? When you share with someone else what, you have done, what God has done in your life, hopefully not just 30 years ago, okay? Hopefully we all have to share something that took place three days ago or three weeks ago. But it, it, is, it is powerful when we share with people what God has done in our lives. Um, we don't have our sister Kimberly here right now, but if you were here for Thanksgiving service, what the Lord has done in her life is just, it's just amazing. If you know her story, what she has been through and where she is right now, it's like, you just get blown away. You just get blown away. But Peter is saying, well, this is great. If, if, you, if, if you have something happening in your life, th this is great. But there's something more reliable than my eyewitness, than my testimony. Well, you and me, we, we might not have been there, obviously, when, when Jesus got transfigured. 
But may I ask you, is there anything you can share in your life with other people? What has God done in your life last week? Is there anything you can share with someone else? That would be the application part, right? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is good stuff. It's good to share with other people what God has done in our lives. But there is more. Again, and we have a more reliable word of prophecy, which you would do well to follow as to a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. What is this word of prophecy? What is this word he's, he's talking about here? Hey, yeah, it's, it's a great eyewitness story, but there's something that is more important. But what Peter is talking about here, he's talking about the word of God. He is about talking the prophecies in the Old Testament. Pastor Chris was just reading those in Jeremiah 33, what God will do in the future. He also was reading Luke 22, you know. He was talking about the word of God that will not disappear. It will stay forever. 1 Corinthians tells us that everything that is written in the Old Testament that will come reality in the New Testament. All the stories in the Old Testament also helping us to learn from those dudes when they messed up. Holy moly. This is the more important stuff. It's more important than the eyewitness stuff. The more important than the stuff you personally experienced. Because that sometimes might not be as reliable. It is for Peter because he had those other two with him, James and John. We have the four gospel writers, you know, who all, all are lining up with each other. But he's saying, hey, the word of God, that is the more, even more reliable stuff here. Pay attention. It is the word of God. If you remember Ephesians 6, you know, it's very, very famous, right? When, when Paul talks about the armor you have to put on. And it's very interesting when you go to Ephesians 6 that there are, there's one armor part that basically shows up twice. Okay? So I wanted to ask everyone to get up for a second. The first thing, while we have the time, let's go there. Ephesians 6. I just start reading 10. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your waist girded with truth. Can you look to your waist for a second? 
So when you get up this morning, at some point you, you put something on your waist, right? At, at least, I mean, it would be nice to put something on your waist. Um, but here, Paul is also telling us, hey, put the truth around your waist. What is the truth? Anyone? Right here, exactly, Jim. This is the truth, God's word. So, would you mind paying attention tomorrow morning when you gird your waist again? Also, gird it with truth, with God's word. Thank you, you may be seated again. Gird it with truth. And then later on, at the very end, let's, let's read, having put on... I would just go through everything. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil days. Stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the spirit is right there it is the word of God again so the word of God is uh, it shows up here in a double portion right so this is the this is the most important thing I don't know if you know the uh, PE teacher over at Gila you know he is a bear of a man. I don't think he is in a fear that someone would come up to him and say, hey, i like to pick a fight, right? <laughs> I don't think that is the, the case. Uh, everyone knows Mr. Jake. Mr. Jake, could you get up here for a second, please? Yeah, you, you would confirm that, right? But so, according to Ephesians, but that's not his main problem, that, that people would fight him. What is the main problem for Mr. Jake every morning? Where is the fight happening? I was just reading it, right? And what is the weapon you have to put on? Yeah, right there. I want to give you one. Right here. <laughs> Take this one. It's going to be very helpful. <laughs> because we know those fights, they will start, right? Yes. Not just with your uh, vice principal and your principal or the students. That, that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about those fights that are taking place every single day. We might not be able to see it, but it's happening. And everyone knows that I'm not just picking on Mr. Jake, right? This is everyone here. We have to put on the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And honestly, sometimes I'm guilty. I, I shared in our small group we have th Thursday uh, at noon. It's like sometimes, um, like honestly right now, I, I'm just on fire with the Word of God. I'm excited. I'm getting up and I'm reading it and it's amazing. And I'm really digging in and looking for stuff. And then other times, I have to say, I'm not excited. I have a really hard time to get out of bed and reading his word and find joy. And sometimes, I don't even open it up. 
shame on me. That's why it's good that we have each other. And we need to focus on the Word of God. This is the most important thing here. It's more profound than being an eyewitness. And I wanted to remind us why is this so important and how is the Bible just really, when we think about it, so amazing. There's another picture we see here. It says, it's a light that shines in a dark place. Is there any, is there a Bible verse that might pop into your mind? Here we go. Luke was just quoting Psalm 119, 105, right? God's word is a light that shines on my path. Is it dark in our world right now? Well, duh, we're in Alaska, right? It's almost December. We're having five hours of daylight and we're still losing every single day six more minutes. Of course it's dark. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the darkness when you turn on the news and when you see all the horrific stuff. When missionaries getting kidnapped in Haiti and all the cruel stuff that's going on, I can't even talk about it. I would start crying up here. It's just horrible. But to be honest, I don't have to finger point to other places, right? Shoot. I don't have to go far to see darkness. Would you say, Will? Right here. I just look into my own heart. And I'm realizing I have to fight darkness every single day. How can I fight this darkness? First of all, in my heart, right? Not pointing to other people. Rachel, may I ask you to come up here for a second? Because, you know, I mean, it's not just me, right? It's not just me who needs that light of the Word of God in my life every single day. You need it too, right? Thank you. <laughs> you may be seated again. I love the communication uh, Rachel is doing. She wasn't saying verbally yes, right? Did, did you hear her talking? No, she was just raising her eyebrows. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, being in Germany, I would have thought, oh, this is weird. Not anymore. I know, this just means yes. That's all that is. So we all need the Word of God in our lives because this this is a dark place. What is the darkness? Maybe it's just the fear of doing stuff. That you don't have confidence. I mean, isn't that, isn't that awesome, the devil? How, well, it's not awesome. It's, it's awful how trickery he is. But if, if, the, if the devil is talking with you and saying, hey, uh, Debbie, there, yeah, you can't do this. No way. You know? And you're just sitting there and you're not doing anything because you don't have any confidence. 
at the word of God tells us, do not fear. This is the light on our path. That's what we have to take. We have to take that light that lightens up our path. We need to take that sword to fight because we know the attacker will come. It is real. You might be, I mean, Peter had the same experience, right? And he was among the 12 disciples. Man, he could talk like crazy. Hey, Jesus, no, we're going to go with you wherever you go. You're right there. And when, he was asked, when Jesus was asking, hey, who do you think that, um, who, who am I? And you say, hey, you're the son of God. Absolutely. Right? He was a good talker, sometimes. But as soon as he was just by himself, not surrounded by good company, and someone would ask him, hey, aren't you the one who was around with Jesus? Me? No way. No, no, no. It must have been mistaken with someone else, right? Do you see the Peter in your life? Maybe someone in the, in the community is asking you, hey, are you going to this other church? Haven't I seen that car standing in the Galena Bible Church parking lot? But my truck? It must have been some, someone else's, huh? When students need to sign up for Sunday morning and they go up to the desk and, oh, I'm the only person who signed up for this, yeah. I don't think I'm going to go today. The fight is real. Why is the Bible so incredible? Why is the Bible so incredible? I mean, the Bible, how many books, who remembers? 66 books written over a time frame of 1,500 years. So obviously not just by one person, right? Over 40 people, and they had all kinds of different backgrounds. They were, they were fishermen and kings and shepherds and historians, people from completely different backgrounds and societies. Uh, they, they didn't even speak the same language. The Bible is written in three different languages. Okay, and still we see a continuity in the Bible that's just amazing. I mean, compared to let's say we would just pick ten people from today, you know, and say, okay, write something about a controversial topic, and they're all speaking the same language, uh, they're all kind of making the same money. They would have a hard time to writing 10 books and that you could find some harmony but we will find it in the, God, in, in the word of God it's just amazing you know that still the book the, the, the Bible, the word of God is the most well the most read book and the most unread book right? unfortunately but it's still the, the most read book in the world. It's the most printed book in the world. It's translated in over 2,400 languages. 
I mean, that tells you something, that this is not just uh, a nice book that's cool to read. There's some more to it. There's another amazing thing. As you know, in 1450, the printing press was invented. It was in Germany. Actually, no. There were printing presses before, right? But the problem was that those, the, the, the letters, they weren't movable. So if they would print one page, they would have to have this tedious work, and then they could print that one page like numerous times, like thousands of times. But then to make a, the, a new page, it was just very, very labor intense. Very much. But Gutenberg, he invented this printing press that was movable, and suddenly things took off. And that was the, the, the Bible, the Word of God. That was the, the book they printed the most. And today, we're not, just think, we're not thinking about this anymore, right? If you say, hey, um, my Bible is um, kind of old and I need a new one, you just go to the store and buy a new one, right? You pay 20 bucks, depends. I mean, you even can, can get copies for five bucks. We're not thinking about this anymore. Who cares? Do we realize that there was a time in this world it was extremely tricky to get a copy? of the Word of God. For most people, actually, it was impossible. It was just too expensive. Just, just crazy. No way that I could, and now I live in this luxury and I have 10 Bibles at home. Wow. Well, how was the Bible multiplied before 1450. Well, they had to do it by hand, right? Every, every page was copied by hand. Well, you try that for a few hundred years, making a copy from a copy from a copy from a copy from a copy. Over time, things will change. You know, at the very beginning, it might not be uh, as a big deal, but over time, it's like, oops. But God has chosen the, this, this one nation, the Jewish people, and he told him, hey, this is the word of God. It is extremely important. So when you copy the word of God, and they literally saw it as the word of God. That's how they treated it. They were extremely careful. Just as a reminder, they would, <clears throat> well, they had a room full with, with scholars, writers, and let's say 20 people are there, and I would just uh, read it, and then you would have to copy. And then at some point, I would say, okay, please do the counting. What's the letter number? 54 on your page, and then you would start counting. F, yeah, F, 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 no, I have G, too bad. Scrap it. They were just so crazy. So other stuff they would do is, they were so particular that they would take a needle and push it through several pages, and then they have to they had to tell you, okay, what's the, what's the letter that got pierced on the second page, and the third, and the fourth? And it all needed to line up. And if not, it would not count. Just crazy. 
And then, in 1946, a huge treasure was found. A shepherd boy lost his sheep in Israel at the Dead Sea, and he found a cave, and he wasn't sure, maybe the, the, the sheep went in there, and he took a stone and threw it in there, and he heard a clonk, something broke. So he went in there, and he found some old scrolls. And I thought, oh, this is cool stuff. Oh, maybe I can make some money. Took some scrolls out and, and sold them in, in Jerusalem. And at some point they realized, dude, this stuff is valuable. It's just super old. So they went in there. And what they found there was the complete book. Well, it wasn't a book. It was a scroll. A complete scroll of the book of Isaiah. And they did some stuff, they, they investigated and they realized, holy moly, this book of Isaiah is a thousand years older than the oldest copy we have, we have so far. And of course now was the interesting, if, if we compare those supposedly same books with a time difference of a thousand years, do they line up? Or is it just completely screwed? And they took the two books of Isaiah and they put them right next to each other. And they were amazed that practically there was no difference. There was a letter here and there, and maybe a comma, but that's it. With a time gap of a thousand years. That, that is the word of God, and he made sure that his word is conserved over times. The Bible also is probably the most attacked book in the world. So many people tried to destroy the Word of God. There was um, one of the Roman emperors, Diocletian, he said, um, this book will be forbidden. I hate Christianity. If, if I find anyone who owns a Bible, he will be executed right there. And, and he did. And he tried to, to just eliminate the Word of God completely. 25 years later, the next emperor, Constantine, said, hey, I'd like to have 50 copies, and the government will pay for it. And the Bible is still around today. The French philosopher Voltaire said, in 100 years, this book is, will not exist anymore. He passed away 1748, I think. Voltaire is not there anymore. What is still here? The Word of God. It is amazing. It is the most attacked book in the Bible. Well, why is that the case? Because this is the foundation for our beliefs, right? If, the, if someone will destroy this, everything is just in vain. And nothing makes sense anymore.
So the word of God is a lamp on my feet. Now it talks about the morning star. Have you ever seen the morning star? I guess we wouldn't say it's a star anymore um, because it's actually a planet. If you get up early in the morning, well actually all the teachers, when you drive to, to school or walk to school, it's probably too early, but you still might see the morning star. It's that bright thing that's on the, on the horizon before it gets really, really bright. And that is the morning star. It's a planet, it's Venus. And when you see Venus on the horizon, you know that dawn is there. Actually, the morning star is also the evening star. When it gets dark and you see a bright star, again, it's not a star, it's actually um, a planet, it's the same planet, it's Venus. It's the morning star and it is the evening star. But is this the sign when you see Venus, when you see that morning star, this is when it gets light. So what, what Peter is talking about here, hey, when, you, when Jesus is coming again, that's what I experienced the first time, but now we're waiting for the second time that he is coming. That's when Jesus comes back, everything will, will be finished, and then it will be bright again. This is what he says, <clears throat> what he's saying here. And it, it all lines up. Jesus himself, he is the light. That's what Peter has seen in the transfiguration. He's using the same picture like the prophets in the Old Testament, that Jesus himself, he is the light. He is the lamp for our feet. He, his word is the sword we have to take. What we like to do today is we also like to celebrate the communion. To remember that Jesus came into this world to fight the darkness. Is there darkness in your life? Yes, we already talked about it. The other day, <clears throat> as, a, as a team in Fairbanks, we also had communion and the question was asked, if, well, we, we, we all believe that Jesus died for sinners, right? And he needed to die on the cross. But then the question was asked, um, do you think he needed to die for you today? Did you sin today? Hmm, okay, yeah. Gets a little more concrete. And then someone was so perplexed, like, okay, because then we also wanted to share. Okay, can you share in this little tiny small group uh, what was your sin? Not not 30 years ago, not, not three years ago, not three weeks ago. What was your sin today? It was someone hard, some, somewhat hard to think about. Oh, well, of course, also embarrassing, right? When the rubber meets the road. And sometimes when we, when we think about sin, we're just thinking about stuff we did when we were hateful against our spouse or we didn't give the right uh, answer or maybe we stole something. But often it's also the things we don't do. And I want for you to think 
before we celebrate the communion is like where's the word of God in your life what was the first thing you read this morning what was the first thing you put on your body this morning are we putting on are we getting girded with the word of God do we pick up the word of God and reading it and are excited about it or do we say let me just check my emails because I need to get prepared for work let's just check what social media has to say for me today honestly more often than I want to guilty as charged and this is why Jesus died on the cross for us and this is also sinning we're missing the target if we're not focusing on his word well of course while we're here we all say this is the word of God and like to focus on right but often in reality it's not lining up where we're just taking other sources and think this is more important it's more important what the news have to say it's more important what my friends have to say on Facebook now it becomes weird even as when I went to Bible school for four years at some point it turned out to me I realized it is more important for me what other scholars have to say about the Bible than the Bible itself does that make sense maybe not but actually the, there was a time I was reading so many commentaries and all kinds of stuff that I lost the focus on the Word of God that would be another reason why Jesus died on the cross for you when we're not focusing on the Word of God and when we in reality relying on other sources Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been blessed by the hearing of God's Word. Feel free to connect with us at www.galenabiblechurchak.com and subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or at galenamissions.podbean.com.